Physical pain can be some of the hardest suffering we may have to experience in this realm. But could we be creating the weakness in our physical body that ultimately gives way to these discomforts? This episode serves to magnify the relationship between our emotional body and how it directly relates to the physical, and how it can serve as a catalyst for pain and ailments of the physical form. Pain is most likely a topic everyone is unfortunately familiar with, so that makes it ever more so important to set aside your beliefs and learn how to get some reliefs. Release those beliefs to experience the peace. Alexander with a rhyme there. So I guess that is our creativity for the day. Done. Let's journey. Wise with Aaron and Alexander. Uncovering our authentic self through self-awareness, conscious communication, and emotional responsibility. Many people are experiencing physical pain in this modern day age, Alexander. And one thing that the just philosophy and you bring to the table is how the emotional impacts the physical. And so today we're going to get more into that and give examples, uh, real world examples on how uh, this exact thing can be seen in in our reality nowadays. So Alexander, do you want to start off by giving a little more background information on this idea and maybe how you arrived to this conclusion? Connecting all the dots is kind of the, um, will be the theme for this, this little episode. And to realize that, you know, we have many different levels of our field, so to say. Um, we can call those layers of the onion, some people say. And it is all connected. Physical level, that includes like the chemical part. We have an astral or spiritual type of level. We have a mental level, and we have emotional and energetic. All of these different levels are consistently talking to each other. And the example that I'll start with is if everyone listening to this podcast would just hold their arm out straight, uh, like, you know, 90-degree angle with their side, And when you first do that, it's easy. It's no big deal. feel like, you know, there's uh, just the weight of your arm that you're dealing with. But then I'll ask you to hold your arm out like that for the duration of this podcast and see that over time, for some reason, it seems to get heavier. But there's no added weight happening. So I hope that all of you are doing this, if you're able to, uh, because I truly want you to to feel it, to feel what this feels like. I'm going to connect this to the emotions, that sometimes we can have emotions, whether it be anger or frustration or sadness, and we kind of go through it and we don't pay any attention to it. We're really looking at how soon we can get over that, um, that feeling. 
and I do bring in from previous episodes the difference between feeling and emotions. So each time you use the word feeling, ask yourself if you're talking about unconditional love. If you're not talking about unconditional love, then it's highly likely that you should be replacing the word feeling with emoting. Uh, Just about every other experience that we have outside of unconditional love is an emotional reaction. So when we have a, a consistent uh, visit to these emotions, is similar to holding up your arm for this long. It just keeps getting heavier and heavier and heavier. Well, eventually, all weight has to go somewhere. So those emotions, what it first starts draining is your energetic field. In the energetic field, of course, Western medicine has recognized it now as like a, uh, a bubble or an aura around us. And when that emotion starts weakening that energetic field in a certain area, then it is likely to make the physical body vulnerable in that specific area. So today we're going to give like some examples and try to keep this fairly condensed because this is a very, very deep uh, subject. And so the intention for today was to bring up some, um, some examples that both Aaron has experienced in his life. And, uh, I'm going to touch on a few examples that I have in my life as well, and maybe some just general uh, topics, but we do want to connect these dots and to see that, you know, how you emote is basically how you have been trained to react to something. How you think about something um, either exaggerates that emotion or dissipates it, and that's the mental part. You know, and how our belief system connects to all of that is kind of like the spiritual part, and we just go on and on and on. And so our culture is just stuck in focusing on mainly the physical and not truly wanting to know what's behind that. And I think more and more people are growing to, uh, to want to understand this. And so, so this is uh, kind of where we're starting. Uh, we have talked about this in previous podcasts, and uh, we're just going to uh, today to give a few examples. Yeah, and one of those previous podcasts was, I think, one of the first. may, may have been episode two or three where I came into you and I had a sore neck. And we went through that whole process of what that could mean. Uh, so, so we have talked about this in the past. And so this is not an, an, something new that we're introducing, but we are wanting to condense this information in one podcast so people can get the, like a full spectrum look of this. So, yeah, so you know, the, part of the point of this is to give examples. Many times we give a lot of information. And then sometimes we want to do episodes to uh, just give it real-life examples, and I think that's what our intention today is. And I also hope that what we can do is give an example and then what that person should do after that, once they've experienced that. We can start with myself. So uh, you've seen me over the past have some right shoulder discomfort, and I actually had some last week, I think. And I know a lot of times it happens after I'm 
sitting at sitting on the couch a certain way and leaning over to my left side so I'm overextending my right shoulder to use my computer which is mm-hmm. obviously not good I know that physically, sure. physically on a physical plane it's, going it's not to, good yeah wear down like you're still holding your arm out right people yeah <laughs> yeah so and you know obviously sometimes I do this and I'm fine and sometimes I do it and I get discomfort for like the next two or three days. And so we've had discussions and, and I get the idea. Uh, I understand the concept that, that if I, I'm having some sort of um, thing going on in my life and you can talk about what right shoulder stuff means to you or, or even right arm and right wrist because it kind of, it's kind of that copper tunnel type of thing. I don't know if I'm saying mm-hmm. that right, but because the pain, once, once my right shoulder hurts, it kind of, I can feel some of it going can down my arm. down, yeah. Uh, but, and, and so, so I do understand that whatever issue could be happening, whatever that means on the emotional realm can weaken my arm. So I can't do the things I would normally do with as much, um, uh, stamina, or I guess, I guess maybe you'd use that word. So, so maybe go into what, what does the right shoulder, right arm stuff mean? Okay, well, first of all, we want to, you know, bring in the basic understanding of right and left sides of the body and the left side carrying the feminine energy and the right side carrying the masculine. And once again, the majority of time when I say masculine or feminine, I am talking about an energy as opposed to genders because there are many male genders that carry high levels of female energies and vice versa. So those, the, that split is also the the left side is the receiving side and the right side is giving. So many times when issues are on the left side of the body, uh, this person is creating different situations in their life to block receiving. And that can come from traumas. It can come from hard um, situations growing up in their family, different things like that. And the right side is the masculine and the giving side. And so many times... It can go either way that soreness on that side, the majority of time is overgiving, and but sometimes it can mean that you're not giving enough. So uh, understand as you go through this, this is why we have to be honest with ourselves to ask ourselves like with that right side. And do I feel that I'm overgiving or truly am I not giving enough somewhere? And normally that can be determined by your thoughts that you've had like recently and how you're looking at things. And uh, it's, that's why it's very important for us to keep a kind of mental checklist about, whoa, where's my mind at? Um, because it's having an effect on my body. So right shoulder stuff can be very much uh, from type A people, uh, overgivers that uh, give too much of their time or their energy or their money. But the main thing about this is not the actualization of the giving. It's the mental understanding or the resistance of it. The pain comes in when we're experiencing duality instead of polarity. And, of course, we've discussed the difference in this in many different uh, podcasts before. But when we have a resistance to do something and then we go and do it, we're creating an internal friction. So, like, somebody can be... Overgiving to maybe a parent because they're emotionally unstable or something like that. And, you know, and you just love your mother uh, no matter maybe how she's treated you in the past. And so when she calls on you, you know, you give your time, you give your money, you give whatever you have. But if internally you're not truly happy with that, 
that's where that energetic discomfort will come from because we're giving these little messages to make a correction so that it doesn't turn into something physical. But the issue with our culture in many cultures is that they are they pop pain pills like they're candy and everybody is running from pain. And as I've said before, one of my wonderful teachers uh, told me to never run, run from pain. It's our greatest teacher that we will get the lesson if we sit with that discomfort long enough. And that is a very realistic concept to understand that what we resist persists. And when we get the lesson, the situation changes and normally dissipates. So, so with that right shoulder stuff, it could be like giving to a partner and it's basically resentment that you're resenting going through this action, but you're doing it anyway. It can also mean that you've taken on too much of, uh, of things that you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, let me inter- interrupt you right there because that's exactly what I was going to bring up. I was going to ask you, uh, recently I took some time and I wrote down everything that was in my head that I was trying to remember that I had to do. Mm-hmm. Like current obligations that I felt like were my obligations to people or things or you know, like, like my work or anything I wanted to, to start putting energy to. And it was way longer than what I thought because I, I, I kept tricking myself thinking, oh, there's just one more thing. I don't have too many things on my plate. And then when I actually put it on a list, it was, you know, a good 20, 25 Sectional. lines of things. And, and then, when, you know, after seeing that, it did help, but I was still overwhelmed. But at least, at least I could now have an image of one that I had a ton more than what I thought, so I need to stop. Right. And two, start taking some of these and narrowing, narrowing them down into smaller steps so I could start knocking some of this off. Yes, and I think I'm so glad that you mentioned that because I think this is the case with the majority of people that they have a lot more on their mind than they realize. And once you start putting things down, and I like to suggest put them in priority to really work with that energy to see, whoa, because when you, when you start trying to put things in priority, like a list of things that you have to do, you have to, at that point in time, physically uh, choose those priorities. Well, see, mentally, those struggles are going on in the subconscious, but when we're not aware of it, um, uh, it, it gets biased. So for example, one time I went to visit my mother and she was, you know, in her early eighties. Well, I was sitting there and I could feel her sadness being an empath. I could feel her sadness. And I said, mom, uh, why, why don't you just cry to release some of that sadness? And she said, well, son, if I knew what to cry for, I would. And I said, I just intuitively felt that it was worry. And I said, mom, do you, do you worry? And she was like, no, I don't think so. I said, okay, do you think about your bills every day? And she's like, well, it crosses my mind. And I said, okay, a consistent thought that carries a negative ripple could be the definition of worry. But see, the thing is, is that she's been through things in her life where she really worried about. So in comparison, just thinking about paying bills every day was nothing like worrying about a child that was injured or a pregnancy or marriage or anything to that level. And this is the part that people are missing is that that constant strand of repeated thoughts is what drains that energy field. 
And this is what that you describe when you wrote down the things rather than just keeping them in your mind. You started seeing, whoa, there's more here than I realized. And then the next step to start putting those in priorities, you begin to truly understand and on the different part of the brain of what it's doing kind of in the background, just very similar to computers, that there's a lot going on in the background of the computer rather than just the one program that you're paying attention to, especially if you have 10 uh, tabs open at one time. Damn, and I people, usually have like 200. <laughs> right, <laughs> Seriously. Damn, whoa. <laughs> so, and, and, you know, and most people accept, depending on the level of their computer, that that can slow down the processing of of any work that you're doing, so so I think that's very important and nice that you you know put in there. So so getting back to that that shoulder stuff that that you know Aaron was going through, you know, and seeing that uh, and it was suggested at that time for him to look at everything that he was trying to accomplish and was he using his authority and strategy, uh, you know, from the the human design that suggested to you know, to respond to life. Many times we get in this uh, state of creating or manifesting, which we just did an episode on, uh, but we are really, the majority of people, over 70% or so, close to 70%, are designed to respond. And everybody's out there trying to create things. So that right shoulder stuff, I've seen it many times, that it is very often with people that are major doers, and sometimes they have a little bit of a control issue because they're trying to micromanage every part of something rather than delegating. So, you know, part of the solution to that is you have to work on your personality. You have to work on changing that. I can't micromanage everything that I have in front of me because it's exhausting. So I have to be okay with deferring this to somebody and then accepting if it doesn't happen the way exactly that I wanted to or within the time frame that we want to. But we have to make an agreement. Is our health and our well-being and our peace of mind worth something? If it is, then possibly that's worth deferring to somebody and then possibly them even screwing it up. But the majority of the time, if you hold people in a uh, proper vibration or proper intention, they will follow through. So even having the idea of the fear that they will let you down is normally coming from some kind of, once again, trauma from the past, uh, other people that have let, that let you down in the past, that you are still allowing that to restrict you from uh, moving forward in the in the present, and we touched on the last episode, I think, where you talked about anytime you celebrate like doing good at disc golf on the front nine, you know, then there comes this pressure, and normally things will uh, drop off on the second nine. And I had suggested then to to just stay in gratification of how good you did on the first nine, and uh, not even step into that. Oh, I probably won't continue to do this good. Um, because that's sending out that, that negative ripple, so to say, but being in acceptance of, wow, I'm going to celebrate these front nine. And no matter what I do on the second nine does not change this first nine because that's a fact. And even, I would say even saying no, that's something that I've started practicing the last few years, but now I'm realizing that I still need to keep saying no to things or, or just agree 
to give it to somebody else or let it go right because yeah. i can't keep taking things on uh, type a people or or doers you know many times can have a challenge with saying no uh to others you know they some people are here to be of service and to help and so they truly are coming from a good place but we have to remember as one of my sayings you know good intentions are the death of a wise one uh, good intentions just aren't enough. You have to realize the void that it's creating somewhere or the ripple that it's creating. And these discomforts are kind of like messages that are sent out for us saying, hey, it's time to change. It's time to shift some here. And many times we need to start with our perception of how we're looking at it above just stopping the giving. So maybe you need to give to that mother but check yourself of how you're really resisting it and make peace with while you're giving to her to be like, no, I'm happy to be able to do this. And if I'm not going to be happy doing it, then I need to come up with a way to communicate this with her to defer to somebody else that maybe can help in the family or something like that. Um, so we, the ego is connected to uh, very largely to all of these uh, discomforts and the messages that are coming from the energetic and emotional field. In a previous episode, we talked about some sports-related injuries, and, and one example was uh, the football team, the New York Giants, were going through some type of like coaching change or, or uncertainty with their coach, and they had like three of their top wide receivers all have foot injuries within like a two- or three-week span. Mm-hmm. And we touched upon that, and I, so I don't know if you want to um, reemphasize that and, and the injuries around in sports and maybe even get into – uh, accidents, things that happen where you're uh, least expecting it and what the, the meaning behind that could be. Yeah, yeah, good good point. So, so yes, uh, you know, I have a limited understanding of what did, was going on with the Giants at that time, but my, my understanding is that they were looking to rebuild from the ground up. They had already gotten rid of their coach. They were questioning their quarterback. They had actually benched him. And so everybody on the team, I think, was very distraught in the direction that the team is going and direction of how somebody is moving forward is directly related to lower leg and ankle and foot stuff and as you said there was just like three major injuries within a week or was it the same game yeah, even? yeah i think two were in one game and then one was like a week or two before that right so i'm going to uh you know veer from that example just a little bit but still give a sports example and part of that is that when uh, say an NFL player, and it doesn't have to be NFL, it could be high school or any level, but they practice the same type of things over and over and over. So literally these players um, run with the ball, you know, thousands and thousands of times. Say, take a running back, for example. And they get hit in the same areas over and over and over. And many times uh, what will happen, in, especially at a, um, a professional level, is it seems that like somebody will get have a major injury, get taken out of the game, and then as they're showing the replay, it's really hard to see what was what was so harsh in that hit. And I remember, you know, a couple of years back, um, I think it was for the Eagles, they had a, a great rookie quarterback. He was going for MVP, and toward the end of the season. He just dove toward the end zone and got hit in his knee area, but it didn't look excessive in any means. And he blew out an ACL and was out for the rest of the season. And, you know, and then that had its story itself. But I've looked at these different types of replays many, many times with different players. And this is what brought in that 
when that energy field gets weakened and then you are doing something repetitive that you've done over and over, such as working on the computer with your right shoulder, that, you know, nine times out of 10 uh, or possibly 99 out of 100, that is going to be strong enough to take that motion. But depending on where somebody is mentally and emotionally, and on all these other levels, the spiritual level and the you know the the physical level too, as far as being tired and rested and well fed and those types of things, that there can actually be a weak spot, and that it doesn't take necessarily the same amount of force to create this injury. And so this is where uh, breaking this down from a logistical standpoint is that if you can see that, of course, thought creates energy. And then emotions magnify that energy. And then putting yourself in a vulnerable situation physically, it kind of, to me, it makes sense that this is all connected and that you're not going to be able to do what you've done a thousand times if all of a sudden you're in some kind of doubt. You're in duality with something and you're struggling with it. You know, many times that can, like, for instance, that gentleman that injured his knee, you know, Different parts of the body hold different ages as well, and the knee just happens to be around seven to nine years old. He could have been in a discussion with his father or mother and maybe brought up something the night before the game that uh, that brought up some emotions of something he hadn't dealt with through uh, childhood. And I'm bringing these like random examples in because it can come from many different directions. But pay attention if you are suffering with some kind of chronic pain or even acute pain and nobody has any answers, then really start looking at that area of the body, what you may think that it may be connected to. Reach out to us. We can help you to to dissect that. That's what I do in my private practice. And start to make a change in the way that we look at the situation. And that's why I say nothing really is as powerful as our perception. And that is the one free will that we carry. We don't have as much free will as we think we do. We're being constantly influenced by planets, by people, by our foods, by our environment. But the one free will that we do have is how we choose to look at something. And I can't stress the power of that enough. And I'm not talking about just Pollyanna positive thinking. I'm saying look and and be a detective and find out where am I creating an energetic friction in a... a um, difference between what I'm doing and how I'm thinking about what I'm doing. That is the big connection that I think is important here. And of course, uh, when I first heard about this, I definitely went into uh, the most extreme. I'm sure people listening to this right now, if this is something new, they may be doing the same. And, and so, so like if somebody gets their arm chainsawed off, like obviously it's not because they had, you know, they weren't emotional over something connected to that arm, you know, I, you know so, so there is like, this doesn't explain everything, but it can go a long ways in, in explaining a lot of, of these pains, even if they're like um, mystery pains. Because some, sometimes yes. people, like for instance, fibromyalgia is like still a mystery in modern science and nobody knows where these phantom pains come from and maybe this is connected. Yeah, and this is where I work with, I've worked with many clients with this type of unexplained pain and with these diagnoses. And it does come down, uh, people get very much relief once they start changing the way that they're looking at their environment. You know, understand that here's the way that I look at perception is that when, if I've held up a color purple 
and I asked somebody that wasn't colorblind what color that is, 99% of the time they're going to say purple. But if somebody said that is an interesting shade of red, I would say, well, you're right. If they say that's an interesting shade of blue, I would say, you're right. Because it takes red and blue to make purple. And having that flexibility in your perception can help you more than, than I can tell you. But everyone is so on guard to prove their point. No, that is purple. Why are you going to exhaust your energy instead of adjusting your view to go, oh, okay, this person is seeing more blue in it and less red. And so they're calling it a shade of blue because they are correct. So in getting into that chainsaw analogy that you just mentioned or, or any other so-called accident, I do even want to bring it in to something that bizarre that whether it was the cause or not, it's still worth looking at that, yeah, what arm was it? What part of the arm was it? It, it all does have messages. So, so many times like somebody may have a fall and sometimes they don't get hurt at all. And sometimes they can just maybe stand up wrong and twist their foot. Like I was talking to a client recently and they were in a meditation class and they hadn't grounded properly and they come out of that and they were getting ready to leave and they stood up and started walking and just twisted and broke their foot just right there. Wow. Just because, you know, whether it was they weren't paying attention. Uh, but first thing I asked her is I said, um, did you have concerns about how you were going to move forward in life? And she's like, oh, yes, I was under a lot of distress. You know, uh, me and my husband was splitting up. Uh, he was the major breadwinner. So now I was looking at how am I going to make money? How am I going to move forward? And so, you know, I brought it back around to help her to see how that was all connected. So even these so-called fluke accidents can still bring a lot of information because the point was is that we – Anytime we see that we are stressing about something, we are processing the information incorrectly. And if we are processing and being patient and practicing patience, then it will always come clear because it's not the actuality of the event. Once again, it's how we think about the event. Like little Johnny at home, five years old, here's a mom that says over and over when little Johnny messes something up, wait till your dad gets home. See, it's not about... What the dad actually does always when the dad gets home, because the mom may not even say anything to him. But little Johnny has been stressed out, worried about what dad's going to do for the last five hours. And when, when that becomes a pattern, most parents don't realize that this is a scarring that's happening. You are repeating something over and over to a child, and that child more than likely will create anxiety issues in their adulthood and not make any connections to that at all. So once again, we do want to mention that it's not about blame or pointing the finger at what anybody did to us, just to recognize it and then change the perception, which will change the energy, which will alter the emotional reaction, which will alter the discomfort or the friction within the body. So it, it does seem like pain is the greatest teacher, just like we say that everybody can be your teacher if you stay out of judgment. Yes, seems every like pain is pain the same can, way. and and every situation, but you have to to want to. So you know, the Buddha had a great saying that life is suffering, and many people misunderstood that. But where I took that in my level of learning, when I come across that, it made so much sense because there is going to be suffering on this plane, and you either embrace that and learn from that suffering and change the vibration 
or you will continue to attract the same suffering over and over and over. And after going through my own uh, bout with with uh, subtle energy healing after losing my wife, I truly understood this uh, much, much more clearly. So when I was going through my own uh, subtle energy healing after the trauma of losing my wife 11 years ago, I had pains that traveled around my body and I could literally feel it moving. So the majority was over five-year span in my chest. And certain people want to say, oh, it was panic attacks. It was this. Many people want to give it labels, but it still doesn't give any answers. So I had this this uh, ongoing 24 hours a day discomfort in my chest. It felt like a burning, stabbing type pain. And then sometimes I'd feel it shift down to my abdomen. And then maybe a couple hours later, it would go to between my shoulder blades. But every time it shifted, I would go into gratitude because different suffering is easier than the same old suffering over and over and over. So I plead to you people, make an adjustment. As I said earlier, even if you um, you defer to somebody else and they happen to fail, they're not going to intentionally, more than likely if you chose them, they're not going to intentionally fail. And even that failing can be easier to deal with than your same old suffering of that right shoulder because you're trying to overdo. And... Um, you people still holding your arms up, right? Because, <laughs> see, you could drop that right arm that you've been holding up and raise your left arm, and it would be different. It would be welcomed. Now, an epidemic that's happening in our country specifically is uh, former military coming home after being at war and having uh, issues such as like PTSD and other emotional and psychological issues. So how does this type of thing play into that? Well, well, wonderful uh, question to add. And, you know, I'll bring myself into this that, um, once again, I came from being a very, very grounded and centered um, just kind of country boy. I didn't go through too much sickness or illness early in life. And then when I went through the stress of my wife having cancer and passing through that, six months later, my body crashed. And it took me uh, seven years to recalibrate that. Five years to understand where the pain was coming from, which was frustration in my chest. And then two years of what to do about that. And it changed my compassion so greatly, I can't even, um, I can't even acknowledge. Then I started thinking about, yes, war veterans that go and they get trained to just every day shoot and kill people. And they may not, uh, most people aren't going to be in resonance with that. Some people, you know, it doesn't um, bother them as much. But some people that are forced into wars, especially like during Vietnam and that type of thing, you know, they're just trying to survive. But every time possibly that they kill somebody, they have or, or even injure somebody, um, they have very harsh internal feelings and judgments on that. And so that starts to weigh on that, uh, the emotions, the energetic field, the physical body, you know, and then they might get sent home either by their will or by a discharge or something. And then they're expected to just fit into normal day society. Come on, people, please have compassion for these situations and these people. And it's not just war. It's like the loss of a, a child, a car accident. Many, many traumas can have this level of, of effect. And that from my standpoint and what I had to experience myself was I had to completely recalibrate everything in my life. I had to be willing to change 
the uh, anything that I watched on TV and put in through my eyes, any all the music that I listened to, I couldn't listen to any music with like distortion type sounds or guitars in it anymore. And I had to change my food. I had to change the people that I hung out with. You have to, from my understanding, change almost every aspect of your environment. And the way that I got to that is uh, about five years into me experimenting with this frustration and the discomfort of it, I was talking with a friend of mine at the time, and I said something, and I don't remember exactly what I said, but when I said it, it wasn't that she disagreed with me, which many times would create frustration through my life. The most frustrating thing for me through my life as an ongoing theme was when somebody would disagree with me but not necessarily have a better take. And this was very common for this friend that I had at the time. And so she didn't disagree with me. All she did, and I do need to say this, that I had reached three days of no discomfort in my chest. So five years into it, three days of no discomfort. I was elated, and but I was watching every word. I was watching every action. And then I said to her, I mentioned something, and she just kind of shrugged her shoulders and kind of winked an eye like, yeah, I don't know if I agree with that, but she didn't say anything verbal. And right away, bam, my whole chest just hurt excruciatingly bad. And I literally said out loud, Alexander, are you that sensitive? That anytime somebody gives you resistance, you go into frustration, which initiates this pain. The answer was yes, people. The answer was yes. And in order for me to get rid of that discomfort, to, to heal it and to move past it, I had to change the aspect of allowing anybody or anything in this life to frustrate me. That was a big task because frustration was one of my biggest emotions I had experienced in my whole life. And so I began to change that because pain had taught me that not changing has too much of a cost. So I was willing to change that. And in a matter of approximately with me not understanding how to do this, not having anybody walk me through it, it took me approximately two years. So five years to understand it, two years to implement and to be successful at it. And I say that because it, won't, it doesn't take me that long to help others because we, we're working as a team, and I was discovering this stuff by myself. So when I give my time frames, don't relate to that out there, people, because, uh, you know, someone can teach what it took them five times as long to learn in five times less time. So, so with that, when I accepted that, and then I started going through people and situations, and writing it down helps that frustrate me. I set a strong intention of, oh, I'm not going to allow this. Uh, like I have a wonderful brother that uh, we can uh, test each other uh, pretty often because we see every, almost everything in life very, very different. And that's where I went right away. I say go to your family and practice this stuff because they're the ones that can press your buttons easier than anyone else. So I used him for that, that anytime he was saying something or doing something that I started to feel any uh, negative emotion about, I would talk to that emotion just like I would a child throwing a temper tantrum. And I would just say, oh, anger and frustration, please sit down. Compassion and everyone having the right to speak their mind, please come forward. And so that action, from my standpoint, be willing to do that action, that correction, at least a hundred times because you're going to fail sometimes. But I will say, I don't make many promises, but I will almost promise that if you will practice cha a change 100 times, 
you will affect change. Now, that can be once a day, and so you can do it in a third of a year, so to say, or it can be three times a day, and you do it in a lot less time. See, the the amount of intensity or how much you practice is up to the personal, the individual, but practice is still what I see helps almost everything on this plane is repetition, and we are repetitious beings. Because you are telling the universe uh, energetically that you are uh, intending this consistent vibration of whatever that change may be. Right, right. So where people have gotten off in the past connecting this to our last episode with manifestation is truly holding that vibration rather than just a thought. And holding the vibration connects all these levels of the field that you're going through and going, hey, am I holding it at this level of the physical? Am I holding it at this level of the spiritual, the mental, the emotional, the energetic? And if you go through your checklist of all all of those and they're all checked, then more than likely you're holding that vibration. If at any point of you're holding four out of five of those, that one is going to dissipate your vibration or lessen the effectiveness of that. So this is why we can't, it's very easily to fool ourselves to the term of justification. But the person that is truly looking to work toward wellness and toward healing, they are suspect of their own wants and desires and they're suspect of their own justification. And this is why it really helps to get input from somebody else uh, that's close to you to say, hey, how do you see me handling these situations or this person? And that outside perception many times can give us insight to what we are blocking or refusing to see ourselves. So in closing, if somebody wants to start practicing this method and they maybe want to go back in time and and look at when they had a certain pain somewhere, or even now if they have a pain somewhere in their body, what would be some simple steps that they could do to get from acknowledging the pain to the point of uh, moving on and trying to dissipating whatever that energetic blockage may be? Right. Okay. So... So first off, I'll just start with just a, um, you know, a few examples or areas of the body that lots of people carry uh, discomfort. And one of the first places that come to mind is lower back issues. You know, many people in our culture deal with lower back issues and they go to doctors and try all types of things. But connect that to truly how this is connected to the root chakra. And that is all about safety, security and financial issues. And so if a person doesn't feel safe or they don't feel secure in their future or they're worrying about money, and once again, that is that you're thinking about it every day or very consistently, then that is going to create some discomfort. And if the person doesn't make the adjustment to change the way they view about money, then it can get into a slip disc or a um, pinched nerve or um, something like that. And for those of you that have already gone and haven't proof like x-rays, okay, well, this is in a line out of alignment. And so it makes sense. It may be pinching our blah, blah, blah. Then yes, that may, uh, you have maybe missed the boat to keep it out of the physical, but if you still work on this stuff, it's going to help the physical, whether you're going through surgery or, or whatever you're going through, um, Uh, physical therapy, whatever, it's going to help it to heal so much faster. So whether it's already in the physical or not, this work is still very, very important. Many shoulder stuff is, once again, uh, very, very common, shoulder and neck stuff. And normally that is how they are looking at 
you know, how much of a load that they're carrying, maybe how much uh, support that they have. Another thing that shoulders is connected to is that right shoulder stuff is I have all the tools that I need and I know that I have what I need to move forward in the direction I'm going. I'm just being belligerent or, or scared or concerned. That's right shoulder stuff that you have the tools that you need. Left side is that you may not feel like you have the tools and, oh, if I just had this one more thing, then I would be able to make that next step. And all of that is important because it's it's worth dissecting to go through what is this like connected to. And the other thing that I do want to mention is many times right shoulder stuff is your own stuff and left shoulder stuff can be stuff that you're carrying uh, for someone else. So... So changing the perception. So I'm going to go back to the money situation in lower back now. So how does someone change their perception? And somebody sent me a message on that, asking that question on Facebook one time. And it's literally uh, your choice because perception is kind of connected to imagination. But we need many times to change a perception, something logistical. So that's kind of what separates just imagination from perception. And so going back to that analogy of the purple, the purple has reds in it and it has blues in it. And so therefore it is a shade of red. It is a shade of blue. So going, so say that somebody's going through a divorce hypothetically and the, the husband was the main uh, person bringing in the money and now they're going to have to change their direction. So it gets scary. Maybe this person hasn't worked in quite a while. So the perception is either fear of, oh, I'm worried about getting a job. I'm worried about being good enough. I'm worried about making enough money to live the lifestyle that I like living. And that's many times the thought process that people will go through. Or they can go through just as easily to go, this is a wonderful opportunity for me to experience something new. So I bring this back to like children look, many children look at the unknown as exciting And then we're taught to worry about the unknown. Get your insurance, plan for the future, all this stuff that we're taught in our uh, our culture that keeps us from that present moment. And so how we look at something has a drastic effect. And we can change that perception by just being open, first of all, to just another option of how to look at it. And so in that situation, once again, if that person had suffered enough, they would be willing to change their lifestyle and simply say, you know what, I'm interested and happy to live less of a fluent lifestyle of spending money to be out of pain and to be away from this person. So I'm excited about this change. I don't care what kind of job I have to get. I will develop it into something that truly means something to me eventually. See, that is that's just an example of a change in perception. But it's not necessarily changing the actualization of the physical act of having to go out and get the job. So this is back to holding a vibration rather than just holding a so-called positive thought. I'm not, I'm not promoting just positivity. I'm promoting realistic ways to look at things. And what would be a positive thought example there? A positive thought uh, just right off the bat is, um, no, I, I have, uh, let me think about that. Do you have? I will find a job. Like, like that positive affirmation to pump yourself up. Right, yeah. I guess it would be like the the, the cheerleader uh, view of like where you're 
you're attempting to tell yourself stuff to try to make yourself believe it. Like, I will find a great job, and I will make all the money that I want to make, and that, those types of scenarios, and that builds expectations, and it builds disappointment, which then deflates the person in moving forward. And I think this is some that, that you discussed in your video of our last manifestation episode to kind of bring that in, that there is a difference between trying to cheerlead yourself or trying to create thoughts and a vision that is very, very realistic. And so that excitement of the unknown, I don't know the doors that this will open for me. I'm happy to do uh, whatever change is necessary to get rid of this other person in my life. All of those are very realistic ways to approach change and to work with that mental energy because many people that try positive affirmations, they're really trying to talk themselves into something. And I mean, it's almost impossible to talk yourself into something just like most people don't enjoy when somebody else is trying to talk them into something. So you have to be open to the concept. And my way that I reach people and suggest to people is a very realistic way that once again fits within your design that we help you to understand. And so we can pinpoint this very, very clearly. But in a general aspect, that's kind of what we've talked about and reviewed in this podcast. And what Alexander was talking about by the video, uh, he and I have started having um, sort of uh, reflection videos where we each individually or maybe sometimes together reflect on our last episode and maybe add something that we've, we we um, forgot to say or even uh, some more examples of our personal life and how what, what we talked about in the previous episode um, uh, applied. And don't forget, before we jump into our three minutes of silence, we do have our Patreon account where you can sign up for exclusive content. Uh, and don't forget to share and review our podcast on iTunes and our Facebook. Thank you. All right. And now our three minutes of stillness. Enjoy.
We appreciate your interest in self-growth, conscious communication, and continuing to ask the wise wise. And remember, gradual changes over long periods of time equals lasting results. The information in this podcast has been developed over 20 years by Alexander in his observation of his personal life, private practice, and professional environments. This information is meant for educational purposes only and is not suggested as a replacement for traditional therapies or medications. As a matter of fact, we suggest to not believe any of this information, nor any of the information out there in the world. Remember, knowledge plus experience equals wisdom. Seek the wise. We are looking forward to continuing to provide this information through this platform, and if you are drawn to support us, you can do so by the following. Sharing is caring. Share the podcast with like-minded individuals. Emotional responsibility and energetic wisdom can save the world. If you are drawn to support us monetarily, you can do so by visiting our patron page, where you can make a monthly donation in exchange for exclusive Wise Wise perks. You can do this by visiting wise-wise.com slash patron p-a-t-r-e-o-n next you can head over to alexander's website where you can book private consultations in person by phone or on skype find out more information on his live performances class schedules products including birth chart analysis reports and music and check out more information on his sound therapy tables to do so you can visit vibrotune.com v-i-b-r-o T-U-N-E dot com. Finally, if you have been searching your entire life for consciously created apparel featuring the WiseWise logo apparel, Alexander themed clothing, or other alternative perspective designs, you can head over to Verity's Apparel, where you can find all that and more. That is Veritiesapparel.com. V-E-R-I-T-E-E-S-A-P-P-A-R-E-L.com. We want to thank you for being part of this journey.